Rides On. This is part two of our fascinating interview with Gordon Domlija, Asia Pacific CEO for Agency Wavemaker. This episode is co-sponsored by our friends at Campaign Asia. You can find part one of Gordon's interview, as well as all the other Shanghai John podcasts on johnstation.com. That's Z-H-A-N station.com. So, on to the show. That's really interesting, Gordon. I have a question regarding hiring people, especially in a post-COVID environment, given how people are seeing work in a different way. And we know that even in China, that it's different from the rest of Asia Pacific. Mm-hmm. Hiring and retaining people is literally the, a full-time job. When I was running an agency, I think most of my time was spent HR with the HR people recruiting, trying to convince people to stay, trying to find out motivating avenues people. and ways around yeah. to get, get them pay raises if they needed them, uh, to get exceptions to company right rules. Uh, how to motivate them. It seemed to be 90% of my job. Mm. How do you manage the people side uh, these days? And how do you think that COVID has essentially evolved the way that we'll work in an agency? We don't have anything other than people, right? I mean, (laughs) there is nothing else. You know, I know we we have like processes and, and like ways of working and templates and really clever tools, but you know, like everyone does, right? I mean, there is no differentiation and you like sat anybody, even like, you know, quite sophisticated clients in front of 10 presentations from 10 agencies about just tools and processes. They go, wouldn't be able to tell you the difference. Wouldn't be able to differentiate one from the other. Only thing that differentiates is the people that you have, okay? So high-performing agency means you have high-performing people. And, and to me, that is, you know, the business element of what we do in agency world. If you've got good people, the business takes care of itself. It, it genuinely does, because like every client we have will gravitate to good people who are passionate about what they do, who have an interest in what they do, and who can transfer that into the work that they produce for you, right? And that doesn't matter whether it's creative, whether it's media, whether it's digital, whether it's search, whether it's, it doesn't matter. People understand passion, they understand that like, you know, they're like, that people have motivation to do stuff. Do you think though that agencies spend enough time worrying about getting good people? I, I mean, I totally agree with what you just said. But having said that, I would sometimes be skeptical that we don't retain the best people. Uh, unfortunately, uh, being teaching at NYU, my graduates, my students do not, they, they do not desire to work at agencies. Mm-hmm. When, I was, when I was graduating, we all wanted to work at agencies yeah. because for all the same reasons that you mentioned. But nowadays, it's not, a, it's not necessarily an aspirational job. How do we keep them, how do we get the best people in? How do we keep them? I, I mean, that, that is a fantastic point. And it's, it's something that, yeah, it, it, it saddens me about the industry because it, it was so much fun when I entered into it. And most people, you enter this industry, it was so Social much fun. experience, you called it, it just, Exactly, it was like, it was great. You get to mix with loads of people. You get like, you know, you go out, you have fun. You like, you know, you interact. It's, it was a, it's a very social business, as it should work be. Hard, we work hard, play in, hard, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but we work in communications. If you're interested in communications, part of it is like, you know, this social element of what you do, understanding people. You know, obviously every time I went to the pub, that was just market research, right? You know, this is how it works. Right, so, but I mean, to me, it, it used to be attractive like, and desirable. You come out of like, you know, university, whatever else, this is like a great place to, you know, learn something, work in the like, you know, in, in an office environment, whatever else. Uh, we, I, I think, have done a really bad job as an industry in terms of making this an attractive place to work. 
Yeah, we we have very little definition as an industry of what we do because we are always transforming what we do. Yeah, if you try to stick a pin in the ground and say, right, this is what we are, this is what we do, it's not because we have to transform because like we have to, you know, very crudely, we go where the money is. This is what clients are paying us to do. We have to transform into that, like you know, and it's. And therefore, the the people that we have, like you know, the 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 amount of work that, that's come on. I mean, like you know, as I said, it's like two TV stations to buy, like you know, relative to where we are now, and like what you have to learn and what you have to know just yeah. to keep your head above water. Yeah. It's insane, you know. And therefore, the expectations of what and like you know, and whether you believe in growth or not as a as a concept and as a sustainable concept, that's that's probably a totally different podcast but you know it, it's like that's what people are after everyone talks about growth growth yeah. growth growth but our clients are your advertisers also struggling to find talent as well or yes ab- absolutely everyone i mean you know the because maybe this is not an agency thing maybe it's an I, industry thing i i i feel you know that there is still an aspiration maybe not so much even to, to traditional brands but you know but brands still hold a level of desirability i think for um for for potential in, in employees you've got to be clear about what it is that w- that we can offer people and like you know for me and like you know we've got immensely talented people across like wavemate and the way i would position it and the, the way I, I i like to think about us we offer this environment which like it's not you know your media planning and buying i mean media planning and buying that's probably 10 percent of what we do at wavemaker right like I've got like content teams, I've got production teams, I've got like you know anyone can actually build up a a, a like a case or portfolio of work here because you get to work on so many cool brands, you get to do loads of different things, try different stuff, and your exposure to to business is enormous, I think, and and I think that that dynamism that you have in an agency is is not something that you know that it maybe doesn't come through because sometimes we just look very very corporate. You know, it's all like holding companies and there, like you know, and it's just it, it doesn't look dynamic relative to to platforms because I, I I still think that platforms are, are the thing. You know, if you ask like you know most people like what do you want to do? Oh, I work at Google. Or I want to work at like you know, ByteDance. I mean, I guess one stronghold for you would be culture and the yeah. culture that you create with the people. I, I would imagine that's got to be attractive to some people as well. Yeah, definitely, because you know I I still have the same mentality as when I started in the industry that it should be fun. I don't like, you know, this isn't, you know, we don't like, you know, we, we're not here to like work everyone to the bone every day and like, you know, extract our pound of flesh, right? You know, and, and I think particularly, you know, going back to what you asked around, around COVID and this, there, there is some, some part of this is like, it is around COVID and things have changed massively, but some part of it's generational as well. You know, if I, if I go back, like, you know, my dad, like, he was, he was born during the Second World War, mm. right? So he, was, he grew up in a house with no electricity and no, like, and, and, and no running water. So his aspirations of what success looked like, right? Completely different. different, yeah? What does he want? He wants a stable job which will hire him for 20 years and do this and, uh, and give an education to his children. Children. That's it, right? That's aspiration. Great, one generation on, right? Well, Take. what do I want to do? Well, I want to do this. I want to have a job, but... Actually, you know what? I want to have some enjoyment while I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm committed to doing my job and I'm committed to career, but I want to enjoy what I do. And I want everyone to understand that I enjoy what I do and I want everyone to enjoy what they do. Next generation, you look at Gen Z now and like and, and after, again, you know, you've got a lot of people working in, in global organizations who still think the workplace is like a Lowry painting. You know, people queuing up at a, like, uh, factory gates. You come in, clock in, clock out, and off you. That is not what people want to do. 
Yeah. Right? We are so far off, like, you know, in terms of how we're attracting people and, like, you know, and understanding what they want. Their aspiration is not to, like, have a stable job for 25 years, to get a mortgage, get a family, like that. There is not a single person who thinks like that, you know, who's coming into the workplace. In the post-COVID world, now, this, is, this, is, uh, this really doesn't relate to China. I feel that from the junior staff, they're not getting the education and the learning experiences. How are, we, how are we going to manage that when everyone's working from home? Now, when I say that, I'm not referring to China. I'm referring to other places in the region. I mean, we've hired a thousand people in 2021 in Wavemaker Asia Pacific. One thousand people. Of those, that's crazy. Yeah, right. And and <laughs> but in most markets, these people have come in. They've never met anyone else they work with. You take it back two years, it's like 1,500 people. 1,500 people who've never met anyone else who works at the same company. Yep. Building a culture. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's a challenge, right? But I think that's, that's why increasingly our, our behaviors are, are online behaviors. The, the way we communicate to, to all staff has changed fundamentally. You know, so last year, for instance, we did a, um, you know, we did a, a pilot program which was called uh, Challenger Exco. So what we did like across the region was um, select people, sort of mid-level people, like, you know, um, who would actually act as a shadow executive committee to, like, to our, to our Asia-Pacific Exco. And we would get them to actually like, say, right, you, know, you, you are much closer to this because I can ask everybody and I talk to people all the time and I'm like, but what they say to me might be slightly different to what the reality is, right? And my take out of them are like, right, here's the program I'm putting in place mm. as a CEO. I'm going, right, I will entrust you as a challenge of Exco to put in place programs which actually benefit people. What do people want to do? How do they want to learn? How do they want like to be supported? Okay. So, you know, within that we have like, you know, of, of course there are like, you know, our, our big thing was launching positive provocation last year. So it was like, right, well, how, how do you land that? And for me, like, you know, I've never been one to like stick posters on walls and say, hey, we now believe in this and yay, go for it. And like, you know, let's all chant. That's not, that's not my style. It has to be organic. It has to be like ground up. And so they said, right, this is how we do it. People start telling their stories and like, you know, and what their interpretation of it is. You know, even like, you know, with our big headlines, I don't translate them into every language. I tell them what the essence of that is. What do I want you to feel and think about it? How you define it then is like, you know, is your reality because how you define that in Thailand, it's going to be very different to how it is in China, to, uh, to Japan, to like, you know, to Australia. Like these are such fundamentally different cultures and, yeah. and, and geographies and, and ways of interpreting information, right? So that, that's what we did with this team. And I, and I think that has actually helped our culture immensely. I mean, you know, we're super proud that we've like, but our attrition rates are much lower than anyone else uh, in, the, in the industry. Yeah. But I feel that is partly down to how we are building the culture and, yeah. and being like, look, what is it that will help you? What is it that will actually help you, like, you know, do your job better? Or like, not even just do your job better, but just what will help you? You know, so I mean, some of the initiatives I've seen in some markets, you know, where they have been hit either by COVID or, or other things, like people build funds and like, you know, for, for people to tap into. People like, you know, actually like, you know, how do we actually help people genuinely? Because I mean, I was told stories like, you know, people in Thailand going, right, well, at the moment I've got to choose between you know, buying food and buying medication for my family. No one should be in that position. Like, you know, we should be there to help people. It's like, how can you have people in your organization where that, that's an everyday reality? And if you don't understand that as like senior global management or any level of management, you don't understand the company mm. because those are the people you rely on. So how do we help those people? Do you think that 
the concept of building culture from a remote digital perspective will eventually help you build and improve the culture in China. In some aspects, China has, of course, been very successful in stopping COVID and allowing people to work. But at the same time, they've they've kind of like not evolved or changed like the rest of the markets, mm. where people literally are more flexible in terms of their work environments mm. and. They're much more about having this sense of flexibility with their home and personal life.、Mm. Where in China we really didn't have that. Do you think that some of the things that you're initiating in other markets will eventually help the culture in China? I I, I do, but like、uh, like most things, it's you know there there is no homogenous solution to anything. I mean you know there is every market will will work its own own way. Now I, I want to deliver a flexibility that is open to everybody, you know, and if it doesn't work, you know that's my thing. If it, if it doesn't work for every single person in the organisation everywhere, it doesn't work, you know, because it's got to be accessible to everybody.、Mm-hmm. Now th- there is no like right way to do this. I, I feel there are some markets where people really do want the social element of what they do. You know, they like you know in China, you know, if you said to them that most people work for, most people actually like coming to the office. I mean, you see, like you know, like whatever time it is, you walk around. There's people sitting, their colleagues are eating, they're drinking, they're having a laugh. You know, they're talking about stuff. They're like, you know, sharing stories. You know, this is this is an important part of development, and it's an important part of how people socialise and how, how how they get together. I think there are, there are multiple markets like that. You know, where people desperately want want to be in the office. I think you can go to Japan, Korea. People don't want to be stuck in a box room, right? They want to be back in the office. They want to be socialised because that is how they work. They want、yeah. to then finish work, go to the bar, like have fun, like you know, cut loose.、Yeah. That you know, so they can't wait to be there, right? I think there are other places in the world, less so in Asia than maybe like you know, like in in, in Europe and North America, where I think people don't want to go back. But I think that part of that is is the profile of what we have here. Our average age, I think, in Wavemaker across Asia Pacific, twenty six, twenty seven. You should be with other people. Should be out. You know. I mean, I obviously bring the average age up massively, but I mean, like, you know, the rest of it. It's like you should be socialising. You should be with other people of your own age every day, and like, you know, having fun. Otherwise, you know, there is no development for you. And how can you work if you don't develop? You know, and like, and for me, development is very much about you know that social element. And going back to you know my starting point in my twenties when I was when I entered the industry, the social part was actually really important. Social part is massively important. How do you talk to people? How, like you know, what do I do all day? You know, you ask like, what does a day look like? I talk to clients, talk to people, I talk to my people, I talk to like potential people who should be working here, and I talk to like potential clients who should be working here, who should be working with us. Spend the entire、That's、day、it. talking. Right, I do. Like, bloody shows, isn't it? <laughs> like you know, but but it's but that's what we should be doing. Gordon, so you spend a significant amount of your time with clients, and obviously, there's a lot of input that you get from clients, from people that work with you. You know, what are the big themes that are emerging for 2022,、um, both from a people perspective, but also from a product perspective for WaveMaker、uh, this year? I, I think definitely a big theme for us is is this structural reorganization, because I think、uh, you know, sort of like mentioned as we've gone through, we spend a lot of our time trying to understand what our value is to to clients. Uh, clients are all going through a through a transformation, you know, whether it's、uh, enforced on them, like we mentioned with some the more traditional brands, or whether it's like you know the the, the current companies and you know that we work with in China, like the tech companies. Rules of engagement are changing massively for everyone, like you know, in every space, even those people who are totally digitally transformed in this space. You're still subject to government legislation, 
you're still subject to new privacy laws. You're subject to different platforms coming in and therefore like you know disrupting what it is they do and what their what their stranglehold on a particular section of market was. Mm. So we we are we're spending a lot of time in like trying to um, structure ourselves in a way that actually delivers value to our clients. And I think this is you know this, this is universal. I think. Uh, uh, across the region I think the the, the big pieces for us and we've, we've touched on it as well is like what what should the clients be doing and what should we be doing as an agency yeah? and, and we're working on many projects uh, around that I mean when, when I talk about you know what what fills my days I mean there are some days where I'm trying to interpret incredibly clever nebulous and impractical suggestions from like Bain and, and Boston Consulting Group like you know and, and how I can practically deliver those in markets you know and that that to me is is, is a big part of, of what it is that we do in our service to to clients how do we actually make that happen how do you make like you know the nebulous and impractical practical in in a company that you know that is trying to transform their total business so I feel there's you know there's there's a lot of that audience is, is a huge part I think you know if I was going to double down on, on anything which I am in terms of like in, in terms of investing investing people it's, it's our approach to audience how we work uh, with platforms to define that I've just hired a fantastic um, head of audience planning from from Lazada in Singapore for, for our total Asia Pacific business so it, it, to me though those are the bets we have to make that like people can actually go and, and understand about how we how platforms do this how can we then actually layer what we do as an agency to provide you insights about like these are what these are how audiences are this is what they need this is then how we derive those insights which are actually going to drive R&D drive communications drive content drive creative drive platform strategy that's you know that that to me is is sort of super critical in terms of like you know the so, one big thing so the structural reference that you made earlier is that also um, is that also tied to um, the insights people that you're hiring um, the platform expertise that you're building within the agency. Um, you've also hired recently in China a chief for transformation. Mm. Um, we talked about the first party data stuff. Is that all kind of within the mix? It, it is. I mean, it, it, it's sort of, um, you know, some of the roles we have in agencies now, I mean, they, they certainly didn't exist like 10 years ago, probably not five years ago. But given the, the scale of the data and given the scale of the specialization that I think we've gone through as well as, as, as agencies, necessarily going, right, well, I've got an expert on Tencent, I've got an expert on this. We need to stitch all this together. A massive part of what we do is, like, is that storytelling element, which as we go more and more down the data and technology route, we, we lose storytelling. You know, and you asked earlier about, like, you know, are we f- too far down the performance route? China? Yeah, yeah, we are. Like, you know, like I, I look at... You know the storytelling that comes out of our teams in India. I mean, we had like 16 shortlists that can just from our India office in WaveMaker. You know, it's like it. It's a phenomenal like center of like being able to tell emotional brand stories. And like, how many shortlists we have in China? Well, one. Like, you know, this is. You know, it shows. You know, and like, can isn't the be all and end all, and like, you know, justification of what you do. But to me, I, I you know, brand at heart, there has to be a brand, right? There has to be, you know, some something to tie to. If you're not telling those stories. You're just like fulfilling an immediate need that people have. You, your acquisition, therefore, must be more difficult in future. Would you have to pay for that acquisition all the time, right? It always seems that people are now paying for that acquisition through massive discounts. That's the door into 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 Austin Lee and well, previously Weya yeah. was discount your brand down forty percent, and then you'll get you'll get acquisition. 
I yeah. mean, how how do brands how, how can brands survive if they're just discounting all the time? It seems like we're racing to the bottom. Well, I mean, and and in many respects we are, but I suppose that's why. It, that it, we come back to the first party data part of it because you have to therefore if you're doing that what what's your payoff you know what it, what do you actually extract from that because all you're doing is cannibalizing existing sales people are going to go i'm going to buy that but at 40 percent discount right brilliant. i was still going to buy that yeah, yeah, I but now I, can, now I can buy it much much, much cheaper, cheaper. Mm. brilliant that's like i mean you know i was having this conversation with, with one of my brands like a few weeks ago i just ordered online from you like you know just just test something out going right it's, it's two-faced right they sent me like four boxes of toothpaste. Like now, even though you have my serum, like when are you going to use that? I've got four boxes of toothpaste. See you in a year. I mean, what? Like, I mean, how often do I have to brush my teeth? To like, four times. You know? a day. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's sort of like right. So, but they're different you, flavors, got, so it's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lunch, I mean, breakfast, dinner. But but you you do end up then with saying right well you know what is the value then of, of, of obtaining these custom records like you know go right I'm going to upsell or I'm going to do this or I'm doing that but then you can't devalue your brand to start with by saying right you've just got this person on discount anyway so what value is that is that piece of information that you have I know about this person what you know that they brush their teeth and that they <laughs> they buy on discount you know that isn't an insight that's going to drive business in the future right so that's why we're spending a lot of time on brand like you know and, and we spend a lot of time on right well what is you know what is our relationship with this like you know what we're not just a functionary product like you know how how are people you know utilizing this this product what are the other things and like you know and one of the things we've talked about before is like what are the brand associations we can build through this to actually make the brand look like just more more preferable you know we did like with colgate we did a like we did a crossover with supreme right you know oh, it's it awesome just, yeah i know it's, it's awesome right and, and why shouldn't it be i mean you look at i mean even you know and and th these are the sort of areas that i think will build interest will bring like you know some fun to brands as well going like oh, this is cool this is nice like you know yeah, and, and it shouldn't be any more complicated than that sometimes yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that i mean in some of the recent pitches that we've done um that's one of the big things that that i kind of throw into my presentation like how can this brand start doing more collaborations with other brands because yeah. i think a lot of times people forget that it's not only them that are struggling with the first party data issue and the other thing that comes to mind as well is you know how do we generate fans for the show a lot of that has to do with how well you collaborate with other people yes and if you don't collaborate with other brands that probably share exactly the same customer de demographic that you're trying to get to there's a lot of opportunity in that so supreme is great but i can see you colgate and i don't know huawei even yeah right? but exactly and why you know and, and so you know the there is no limit to our imagination or, or the innovation that you can bring to it. In several like heated LinkedIn exchanges about the work we did for Prada here mm. in, in, in the wet market, you know, and it's not it's not quite. You oh, know, you guys did the Prada stuff. Yeah, I so remember we that. Your son fell. Asleep. We had a. We, I remember that part. <laughs> I remember he, he was in the pram and he was like <laughs> fell asleep. Wow. He, he wasn't. He the, wasn't as excited as I was. I got, so I got I don't to know how successful the Prada <laughs> thing was. He. I mean, you know, he, he's three years old, so I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure, like you. Know, the audience segmentation covered him but um but yeah to, to me it was like there was a lot of highly theoretical academic discussion about oh they've you know, what is the purpose of this going into a wet market and you know what you go there and like you know it's, it's very close to where i live and like people were having fun yeah as i go like you know what if it, like as far as i'm concerned that like they brought some fun energy you socialize the brand, the brand. There were thousands of people there every day having fun taking photos interacting bringing some element of community around a community hotspot which is a wet, wet wet market it's like this is 
I mean, to me, like, you know, that, that's success. Like, you know, they, mm. they weren't going to sell, like, you know, their, their frontline, like, merchandise through there. But it was just, a, like, a really good piece of fun which brought community together and, like, which brings no, like, big high ambition. I was like, and this is great. And everyone's enjoying themselves. Mm. Why can't a brand do that? A, a large number of our listeners are, you know, living abroad. I'm always constantly asked the question about, is this still a good market for foreign brands, given the current environment in our world are you still bullish on on china for for global brands is this still a market that that they can survive and thrive i I believe there's still room to grow to thrive to you know not not just survive uh but i I do also feel that global brands need to be realistic you know you you figure historically china's been a been a cash cow for a lot of global brands times have changed and you know you figure you know, the, the, the standard of, of, of general advertising, you know, whatever, even like 10, 12 years ago, is like pretty awful, right? Just show the product and then say the name over and over again. And, and you do that. And just because the product's available, it gets bought, right? People trial and like whatever. And like, you know, you, and, and especially from those like lower bases, people are just like, and you've got the, the demographic and the social changes that were happening in the country. You've just got more and more people with more money. So it's like your growth is sort of inevitable, right? Then you just yeah. start benchmarking your growth versus others. I'm not growing as fast as these people. And like, you know, and that becomes what your growth like criteria is. But if you're a brand now, like a foreign brand, and you know, and you've like gone, heavy on I've got a German flag on here or I've got a British flag on here and like you know that makes everything better that's not how consumers behave anymore and you know and and I think it's it's taken a long time and and certainly some of the companies we work with and certainly some of the pitches we get invited to the the expectations that some clients have of what growth or success looks like in China they're completely out of whack because they're like five years out of date in terms of like no 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 like you know people might think that Historically, I don't know, like you know, they wouldn't buy Chinese milk formula. Had to be foreign, like you know, had to be imported, like you know, because there was all... no, that's not the case at all. Like you know, really? that, people don't think like that. No, absolutely not. There are like you know, local brands which are absolutely equally good, yeah, and like the prices have therefore come down on all the inside. Like and your margins, margins are absolutely shattered, right? Have yeah. to be, and your competitive set has changed completely. The demographics of the country has changed completely. The attitudes and, and yeah. acceptance of, of different brands and like of, particularly here, of Chinese brands, you know, is massive in every area. You know, like, look at the, look at the, like the Chinese tech in, like in, in, in new energy vehicles. You know, this is like, it's, it's incredible. You know, you look at the technology and the, and the craftsmanship in some of the stuff that's being developed. There's no, uh, you know, there's no inferiority, and that hasn't been, the, mm. and that hasn't been the case for some time. But I still feel that people think, right, we go there, we got a product, we've got 200 years of experience on this. You know, again, whatever category you're in, people think that that buys you a right to like, you know, to play. And in China, it doesn't. And if you think that that's the case, you will fail. Mm. But You've you got do no have global clients who are, they they they're realistic. They oh yeah are, yeah yeah of course are, of course they're like, evolving you know. and, and winning in China. Absolutely, because you know you you behave in a certain way. You understand what you know the the principles of like marketing and selling products is. You understand like you know how you need to communicate. You understand the price point that you need to give. You understand the value that you need to give. I think like you know with a lot, you know, the experience I think is still an aspect of of what a lot of sort of more traditional Western brands can bring to it. You know I feel that like you know there and, and particularly like you know if you look at luxury. I mean luxury is 
still flying and continues to fly, right? But why? It's not just the brand, it's also the experience that you get in, with it. And like that, you can't underestimate. Are we at the AV test now? I believe so. Oh my God, all right. Okay, so this is the best part of the show. A's for Ali, B's for Bryce. Shotgun question session. I'm gonna throw a question at you. You better know the answer. So RPA, RAP. RAP. <laughs> the future or the present? The future. Um, I, I, so I understand that you're a big Premier League fan. Yeah. Um, Leicester or Watford? Leicester. You know there's a game on in two days, right? There's a game on every day. Well, that, that's <laughs> Mar uh, Martel, Johnny Walker. Martel, of course. Beijing. Go PLC. <laughs> Beijing, Shanghai. Shanghai. Um, dressing, dressing up or dressing down? Up. Uh, product or brand? Brand. Presence or placement? Presence. Uh, commerce or content? Content. A baseball or cricket? You know, this is going to be, this is the most controversial <laughs> one. Like, you know. That's uh, why I threw it in there. This is massively controversial. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm yeah. actually going to say baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah I, really? Yes. Yeah. Go Royals. Go who? Royals. Royals. Yeah. Where are they from? Kansas, Kansas City. City. Kansas, Kansas City Royals. Uh, Gordon, thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us and really appreciate the conversation. It was very insightful and hopefully we'll have, including yourself and the company, uh, a prosperous and successful 2022. Thank you very much, Bryce. Thank you, Ali. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of Shanghai John. Join us for another exciting show and we'll be talking to an award-winning film director. And until then, have a great day.